afternoon. If you would take a copy of God's Word and be turning to the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll begin there in just a moment. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We are grateful that you are here. We do have some visitors amongst us, and we're thankful you've come our way and hope to get a chance to greet you if we've not done so already. We're thankful to our members that are here and the chance again to encourage ourselves with a good bit of study. There's no better place you could be uh, right now as we think about, again, the chance to uh, sort of begin our week here with a study of God's Word. Hope that this is something that's beneficial to you that you can take and, and then sort of shoot forth, as we might say, into the week. Uh, all the challenges that arise are certainly great sometimes. Lots of things that weigh us down here on this earth, but we're thankful for the opportunity to encourage ourselves not only with the study of God's Word, but as we usually try to emphasize as well with the uh, time of fellowship and fun that we've had. Let me just make one more uh, plug again. We hope that you'll be with us next week at this time for our Vacation Bible School. Look forward to a good afternoon. Uh, I'll say it again in the announcements, but don't forget as well, we'll be doing uh, pizza for lunch next week, so no need for the potluck that we kind of usually do, but we'll, we'll make sure and have enough. There is a sign-up sheet out there. Let us know that you're going to be here, and we'll do pizza for everyone. And uh, if you were with us last year when we did that, it's good and bad news. The good news is you get pizza. Bad news is, as you're done, Hannah has a list of things that got to be done, and you need to sign up on that, and we'll start giving instructions. But make sure that everything else is set up, and we're just ready to go for a good afternoon. I uh, look forward again to studying, uh, to remind you, studying Elijah and Elisha. Uh, our God is bigger. Our big God is the theme, and so we look forward to that next week. Hope you can be here during that time. Bible classes from birth to adult. We'll have a couple of sessions of adult classes in here, and just lots of uh, good stuff going on. So this morning, if you have your outline still in front of you or a bulletin in front of you, uh, we talked about Solomon. And Solomon, in his wisdom, of course, that he had, that he was given by God, that he asked for, was an accomplished writer. We're going to begin in Ecclesiastes in a moment, but we're going to also talk about Proverbs. We know that he also wrote what we call the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. We're not going to touch on that today in this particular lesson, but he was an accomplished writer that did lots of good things. He's given us so much to think about. Uh, that it's, you know, it, it has an impact upon the world. I was even thinking uh, last night as I was studying a little bit more and going through the book of Ecclesiastes and, and how brief that it is. Uh, it's been almost 57 years ago, for those of you who remember that kind of thing, that a group, a singing group by the name The Birds, of course, put out a song from Ecclesiastes chapter 3 called Turn, Turn, Turn to Everything There Is a season. And some of you may recall that song, but the idea that, that Solomon in his writing has you know, gone long beyond what he wrote then and the encouragement that he offered, but even to us today, especially. I mean, and again, we're going to set aside the Song of Songs, Song of Solomon today, but even there's such great encouragement there for married couples and to think about uh, marriage and the marriage relationship. But Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, you could spend every day in. I, I don't know, I'll say it now, I don't remember if I put it in my notes, but if you look are looking for a daily Bible reading, a lot of people will suggest the book of Proverbs with 31 chapters. You can make it through the book of Proverbs just daily, you know, once a month there, and you can do it over and over again. And I would promise you, as you're probably familiar, if you've studied the Bible, that you'll find something new every month. And maybe you don't do it, you know, 12 months in a row, but a month here and there. But you'll find something that will apply to you every time you work through it. This morning we talked about the fact that Solomon had. So Solomon had basically everything. Solomon had anything that you could want, anything that you could imagine. We know the technology was not there then as it is now in that sense. But when it comes to anything else, Solomon had. 
And if you're there in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, let me ask you, Solomon had, and what did Solomon say? Now you're familiar with verse number 2. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanities, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. It's interesting that this book opens and closes, is bookended with that statement. Not only chapter 1 and verse 2, but over in chapter 12 and verse 8. This is what he has to say. We encourage ourselves this morning to think about all that he had. All that he had, and yet he turned his heart away from God because of his foreign wives. But it seems like almost he comes back around by the time he's writing Ecclesiastes as an old man saying, I've tried it all, and I realize it's vanity, and here I want to turn back to God. But we'll get there in just a few moments. You are no doubt familiar as well with Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse number 9, which is our title uh, for, the, uh, for the lesson this afternoon. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. If you have your outline in front of you, you'll notice there's only one set of blanks. That's not just because our projectors are, are down and, and getting fixed. But, but as I thought about this lesson, it's really summed up that, that easy. As I said at the end of the lesson this morning, it's, it's so interesting to think of all that Solomon went through and all that he lived, and yet we come to the Ecclesiastes and he sums it up so succinctly for us, so easy for us to consider. We'll get there in just a moment with the outline and the blanks that are there, but also here in the beginning with the idea that there is truly nothing new under the sun. I'd like to challenge you with that this afternoon for just a few moments. I've got a few points I want us to make, but just think for a second. I mean, what is it that we face that people have not faced before? It may be a little different. I know that technology has made things different. Maybe the idea of how connected we are. Uh, certainly, there was a time not too long ago when people would have never understood what cyberbullying meant, that kind of term or something like that. There are new things that we face and our children, unfortunately, face. But in reality, that's nothing but a sin problem that happened long before. And it just strikes me sometimes as a preacher that we might stand up and say, oh man, the world, the world is just, it's never been worse. I mean, there, there is nothing but sin all around us. That's all that anybody wants to do. And this world is so terrible and awful. But yet I think about the fact that Noah probably felt the same way. In fact, I want to pick out a few things in just a moment, maybe about four things that Solomon touches on specifically in Proverbs. But the one that I, I often point out, and maybe it's my age, I don't know, maybe it's because of my, my generation and my current standing in life, but I remember a time when homosexuality was not really talked about so much or seemed as prevalent, and now I'm living in a time where every show that my children maybe turn the television on, even if it's supposedly children-focused or family-focused, we have to watch and be careful to see what's going to be discussed there. But then I do think about that idea of homosexuality, and I go all the way back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. You remember what was said there around the time of the flood? Genesis 6 and verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. What does that mean? The, the thought, every thought of his heart was only evil continually. You know what I think that means? I can't pick out one sin, but I can tell you that it probably means that it was about as bad as we can imagine. We may not have this detailed list of everything that they were partaking in, but I can imagine that someone even like Noah is looking around wondering what world it is that he's inhabiting now. 
and how these people have become so depraved and so full of sin. We go forward from Genesis 6 to Genesis 19, and we think about the depravity of Sodom and Gomorrah, and guess what? That word, that homosexuality is discussed with that idea there. So yes, we feel like maybe it's maybe thrust upon us a little more than we're used to. Maybe when you were younger, you remember a time when, when it wasn't discussed so openly. That may be true. But to think that we're the first people to ever face this, there is nothing new under the sun. Now, here's the challenge. I don't want to leave you with this lesson in a few minutes, like sort of depressed, as we might say, or saddened or frustrated or disgusted to think there's nothing we can do. Uh, no, as people of God, there are things we can do. We continue to shine as lights to the world. Everything we do should be to the glory of God. But we also realize there is nothing new under the sun. All right, if you have your Bibles, you might turn back a page or two to Proverbs. I'm going to throw a few passages out at you as we go along. But, but what else from Solomon is discussed with this idea of there is nothing new under the sun? What about first the idea of marriage and that marriages often have trouble, right? We discussed this already today, that Solomon went against what God had said in the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 7 when it comes to marrying foreign people. And as I said this morning, some people hold that up and they say, well, that's awful mean. Why, why would the preacher say that? That's not nice. That's not right. We should be allowed to marry whoever we want to. And that's absolutely, I guess, true in a sense that we can. But it's also true that there's a reason God said, be careful who you surround yourself with. In the New Testament, it says it about evil companions or evil company. All right, more so than, than exactly with marriage. But we, we see the principles there that who we choose as our mate is very very important that doesn't guarantee us anything that doesn't mean that things are going to be perfect just because you find someone who is a Christian doesn't mean that everything's going to be just perfect to the very end of your lives here but marriage and marriage trouble once again have always been around and when we think of this idea I had a lesson that that I want to do soon I've been still trying to kind of craft it together the way I want to but the idea of our families and family worship, and how important our families are as the bedrock of not just society, but the world at large. I mean, everything built upon our homes being what they should be. When did that begin? We can go back to Adam and Eve. We can go back to Abraham. We can go back to whoever you want to mention, Jacob. We can go back to all of these Old Testament characters and see God's plan for the home and for marriage. When we think about Solomon and Solomon's encouraging words, we might say, first of all, there is nothing new under the sun. Who we choose to marry matters. It is often vitally important to ensure that we remain faithful. Again, that's sort of a, a very broad statement, and it's true most of the time. That doesn't define every single situation that people sometimes find themselves in. But there is nothing new under the sun. Marriage and our mate and our spouse mattered then. It still matters today. And maybe even more so as we think about the way that we are bombarded. Again, the sin is not new. But maybe the way that we sort of carry it around with us all the time in our pocket. right? And we have access to whatever we want to have access to anytime. Maybe it is important. And even vitally important that we consider and teach our young people about who they're going to marry. Number two, what about the tongue? Proverbs chapter 18 and verse number 21. We preached a sermon a few weeks ago, both services on Sunday, about the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. 
And we discussed this a few weeks ago. The title of the lesson, I think that I made the title, The Power of Life and Death. It's in the tongue. Solomon said that. Proverbs 18, 21. Or what about Proverbs chapter 10? Proverbs chapter 10 and verse number 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Even going down to verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many. We don't have time to point out every single verse, but we realize that God places an importance on our words. Our words matter. That's not new. And we learned that, we said this morning in our lesson, we're thankful for the great God that we serve, who does not change, who said in the beginning, it matters what you say. And says to us today, it matters what you say. We need to guard our tongues. We need to be careful in what we do. When we think about this idea of there's nothing new, well, there's nothing new when it comes to our relationships, we might say. When it comes to our marriages, in that kind of sense, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to the tongue. Our tongues and our words matter. What about number three, our actions? Our words are important, but so are our actions. So many people want to separate things in life, and they sort of want to go to the be polarized, right? We live in a left-right world. We live in, in politics and things that are so far apart, and everybody just, you're one side or the other. And some people will say, well, it matters what you say. It does. matters what you do. It does. And it's the combination of those things that is important. How we treat others is a big deal. It was a big deal in the period of the divided kingdoms, as we uh, think about, as Solomon is going to end his reign and the kingdom of Israel is going to be divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. It mattered then, and it matters today as well with our actions and how we treat each other. Our words are important, but so are our actions. What about Proverbs 17, 17? First of all, our actions with our friends. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We've been talking in the college age and young adult class on Sunday mornings about God's providence, how amazing it is. God's providence is shown sometimes simply by the church. How is it that we have the things that we need? It's because our church family was willing to care for us and to help us. Our actions are important when it comes to our friends. A friend loves at all times. Brother and sister loves at all times. Not only our friends, but what about our enemies? Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 17. Proverbs 24, 17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Nobody has to answer out loud, but how hard is that sometimes? How much as human beings do we turn back when something bad happens to somebody who has wronged us or maybe somebody that we don't necessarily care for and we see something bad or we hear of something bad and how easy is it as humans to say, well, they got what was coming or boy, they deserve that or I'm rejoicing a little bit that they're suffering. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. It matters in our actions about how we interact with our friends. It matters in our interactions about how we interact with our enemies. But number three, we might even say it matters in our actions about how we interact with the poor or oppressed. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 2. Proverbs 22 and verse 2. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. 
Do you know that Jesus restated it? Do you remember what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45? The sun and the rain, what? Shines and rains on the just and the unjust. The Lord is the maker of them all. Not only are our actions important to our friends and to our enemies, but to those who are less fortunate, to the poor and to those who are oppressed. And again, this is the problem that they often had when we think about the divided kingdom. Without going into great detail, but when you think about the children of Israel as they come out of captivity and return to the homeland, there were times when they were neglecting those who were less fortunate, those who were poor, and God would continue to try to encourage them to do what is right. This right here, Proverbs 22, verse 2, this idea of our actions would solve so many problems in our country. The racial problems and racial tension that there is, the class problems that we sometimes see and face, and so much more might be taken care of if we would all realize the responsibility we have to help one another. We realize that so much more, we do so much more sometimes for those of the household of faith, but we should be taking advantage of the opportunity to reach those who are less fortunate. That's not it. It's not just about paying bills or giving food. It's about teaching the gospel, but it's that balance of not only showing people how much we know with our words or letting them know how much we care with our words. Boy, I'm sure praying for you. Boy, I sure hope things get better. But showing it with our actions. When we think about Solomon, there's nothing new under the sun. We need to treat others the way we want to be treated. The golden rule, of course, in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 12. And when we think about Solomon and this idea of nothing new under the sun, go forward in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes again, and this time chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Because unfortunately, there is nothing new under the sun when it comes to getting old. Now, I'm not going to name any names around here, and that's maybe because I trimmed my gray hair last night before I went to bed last night. So, but there is nothing new under the sun when it comes to getting old. While it is not a guarantee, if we are blessed with many days on this earth, old age and death will come for us all. If you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, we certainly won't read the whole chapter, but you know verse 1, remember now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Have you ever read the rest of chapter 12? Look, look down through there. Again, we won't take the time, but there's all these descriptions of what happens as we get older. Even verse 6, before the silver cord is loose, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher shattered at the fountain. And it, of course, that section ends in verse 8. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. While it's not a guarantee, if we're blessed on with many days, old age and death will come. It came for Abraham, it came for David. It'll come for me and for you. In verse number 7 there of chapter 12, Solomon says, The dust returns to the earth as it was. It's kind of scary to think about sometimes. It doesn't make us comfortable but as we know we have this cycle of life so to speak right we have this cycle that is sometimes we get older and older folks pass away we see babies being born we think about the cycle of that sometimes when we're younger our parents take care of us and then sometimes life changes and that cycle continues to spin or to turn and we're taking care of our parents there's nothing new under the sun it happened then it's happening now 
I think we don't emphasize sometimes enough that idea of how we should take care of our parents. And we feel like, well, maybe this is something new. And maybe it is new for you or new for me as we think about getting to that age where our parents are, are alive but older. And it's something we've not dealt with before. But how many times does the Bible show the grand picture of how this cycle should work? Again, that parents care for children and children care for parents at a certain time. That we continue to work together. I mean, we're blessed in that my kids have grandparents around. They know their grandparents. They live close to at least one set. Some of you may not have that. And, you know, for various reasons, sometimes that happens that way, moving away or things happen. But when we think back to a simpler time, often it was the idea that families were able to stay together. And there was this cycle of the older teaching the younger. And then, yes, the younger one day taking care of the older there is nothing new under the sun. Old age and death soon after will come for us all unless the Lord returns or our life is taken or ends here on this earth at a younger age than we often think. But when we think about the wise man Solomon, he's just simply reminding us of all these things that have taken place for thousands of years now. It's not always encouraging, but it's something that we can learn from. Now, I promise you there was one set of blanks there in the outline, and probably most of you already have them filled out, if I know you and some of you like to cheat and kind of get ahead a little bit. But you know what it is, right? Because it's the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter, excuse me, chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter and the blanks that you have in front of you, of course. Fear God and keep his commands. For this is man's all. Or depending on the version that you have, this is the whole of man or the whole duty of man. This is what we are supposed to spend our time wrapped up in. Fearing God and keep his commands. I'm thankful that I've got to live a full life so far. I really feel like that. I feel like I've got to do a lot of things, both fun and enjoyable. I've gotten to travel some, gotten to have kids and, and enjoy those kids and all that. But I look forward to many more years if I'm blessed with them. But it just amazes me to think about Solomon as we've tried to examine his life today and all that he knew, all that he had seen, all that he had experienced, both the the, the partying, as we might say, both the fun of the wealth and, and these wives and all this that is going on, and even the serious nature of what he had experienced. But if we learn anything from Solomon, it's summed up with some of the last words that we can imagine him saying here, that our whole deal is to fear God and keep his commands. When we think about teaching people the gospel, we've got to teach them about Jesus. Certainly as Solomon is writing these words, Jesus has not come yet. Our way of salvation by being baptized for the remission of our sins is not known yet. It's not in effect. But it's still sort of the same similar breakdown to this very simple conclusion. The whole of man, fear God and keep his commands. When you go through life every day, whether it be coaching your kids in sports or going to watch them or going to the job or going to the store, what we do is we separate all this out and we separate our Christianity and we act like it's all different and it can't touch. Everything we do should be wrapped up in fearing God and keeping his command. And here it is. Are you ready for it? That's it. That was it for Adam and Eve. What did they have to do? Sure, there may be a few things they were told, or there may have been a list of things they were told, but what did they have to do ultimately if we boil it down? Fear God and keep his commands. It was that way for Noah. 
for Abraham, for Joseph. It was that way for David. It was that way for Solomon. It was that way for Peter. It was that way for Paul. And it's that way for you and for me. There is nothing new under the sun. Fear God and keep his commands. Now we've listed a whole lot of things that are frustrating or get us down or that are difficult. The tongue, sometimes our marriages, we think about our actions and our words. All these are difficult sometimes. And again, it's very, can be very negative to think, well, that's, those things are all very hard to do. But can I challenge you? Don't, don't, be, don't take it as something that's impossible. Turn to the book of Proverbs. Take a day to read a chapter and build upon it from there. And simply remember that in all that we do, we fear God and keep his commands. Some people want to make serving God and following Christ this criteria, this set of things that are so hard. Well, you know you Christians say you can't do this, you can't do that. You got to go here, you got to do that. Fear God and keep his commands. This is the whole of man. I hope that you can take that challenge, myself included. Think about that going forward through the week and realize that that's all we're asked to do. When I wake up in the morning, the clothes that I choose to put on, the places I choose to go, the things I eat, the people I interact with, the words I use with my spouse or, and my family, my children, fear God and keep his commands. That's a very brief overview compared to what we know about Solomon as we talked about 1 Kings today and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. But I hope you'll take that challenge from him and realize that no matter where you stand, no matter where you are this afternoon, you can Learn from Solomon, learn from his wisdom to fear God and keep his commands, and you can be faithful. As we're about to sing this song of invitation in just a moment that's been selected, we certainly don't live under the old law as Solomon did. We live under the new law. We're thankful for that. It was, it's the better covenant, better for us because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've already talked about it, sung about it this morning, but we're about to sing about it again. If you're here this afternoon and you're not a child of God, you don't know the saving power of the blood of Jesus Christ will be singing to encourage you there's no better place there's no better time than to be assembled here together with family if you're here and you're not a child of God why not if you want to know more we would study with you as soon as possible because just as marriage I think is the second greatest decision a person could make here who they choose to marry the first of course is to serve God to be committed to him to put on Christ in baptism and if you're here this afternoon you've not done that we would be singing in just a moment to encourage you. Maybe you're here and you've done that. You're a Christian, but you've wandered away. You've allowed this vanity of vanities, all these things in life to weigh you down. Maybe it's in of such a way that you have sin in your life that you'd like removed. You can remove that, of course, by praying to God, asking for forgiveness, and he is faithful to do just that, that you can again walk in the light as he is in the light. We're also thankful for the opportunity that as we're assembled here together, we can pray for one another. We can pray with one another. Maybe there's something else you're sure struggling with. You'd like to make that known, share that with your brothers and sisters. We're just thankful that nobody has to walk out those doors in just a moment with worry and care and concern of this life, of the vanity that this life puts upon us. You can be faithful to God. You can have the hope of a home in heaven, even now as we stand together and as we sing.